0: Hey everyone, my name is Adam, and I'm one of the pastors at First Free Church. We figured we would mix things up today and do the message from a different part of our building. This week, I was watching a movie with my kids when they noticed someone talking into a large beige object with a cord that ran into the wall. They were puzzled by this strange device, and I had to explain to them that's what phones used to look like. And you couldn't just walk around the house with phones back then, right? People got these long cords, 20 feet long, so they could still do things while they talked on the phone. But then they ended up like this and had to unravel themselves. When you think about it, phones are really an amazing invention. I mean, we can pick up a phone or today, we can pull a screen out of our pocket and talk to virtually anyone personally in real time. That's something that was just unimaginable 200 years ago. For most of human history, no one knew what it was like to be able to talk to someone and hear their voice hundreds of miles away. But now we can. And maybe that helps us understand a little bit better what we are able to do with God. Prayer is our phone to God. We have this amazing capability to speak to the God of the universe, and He actually listens. Phones probably help us grasp the concept of prayer a little bit better. But there's a downside to viewing prayer like a phone call, too. I think that sometimes we actually miss the power of the connection and the relationship we have with God because we subconsciously think of prayer like a phone call. I'll get more into that later. Right now, I want to go back to the source to learn what prayer is supposed to really be like for us. And for that, we're going to learn from Jesus. Jesus taught people how to pray the right way, and I think we need these prayer principles right now in the middle of this strange season of life more than ever. Maybe you are stuck at home with too much time on your hands, or maybe you're lonely and craving human interaction. Maybe you are working harder than you ever have before. Maybe you are anxious about getting the virus, or maybe you think people are overreacting and you worry more about the economy. Maybe you're doing really well right now and just enjoying a slower pace of life. I don't know. Whatever life looks like for you right now, these are prayer principles that all of us need to hear again and again and follow, and it's called the Lord's Prayer. Now, you're probably familiar with the Lord's Prayer already. Here's the version that I learned growing up. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. That's probably the most repeated prayer in the world that was never meant to be prayed. Jesus did not give us the Lord's Prayer for us to pray it or even sing it. He wasn't teaching what to pray. He was teaching how to pray. It's not a prayer to recite. It's an example to learn from. It's actually the Lord's Prayer template. And Jesus says that right before He shares what we call the Lord's Prayer. He doesn't say, pray this. He says, pray like this. Or after this manner, you should pray. So let's look at this prayer the way Jesus intended. And we'll use a newer translation that helps us better understand the original words. This is from Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. The first thing we should do when approaching God in prayer is to praise Him for who He is. Praise Him for who He is. It may sound arrogant for God to want us to praise Him, but it's really not. He's the only being that is actually completely and totally worthy of our praise. When we acknowledge that, we're not just praising Him, we're being honest about Him. Is He all-powerful? Is he loving? Is he good? Is he gracious? Is he merciful and forgiving? Is he the creator? Yes to all of those and many more. When we fail to recognize that, our focus slips right into our own wants and needs. It becomes self-centered. We lose the perspective of the big picture that only God fully sees. So it's good for us, and it's respectful to God, for us to start our prayers by being honest about who he is, And how much bigger he is than our problems. We start by praising him for who he is. Then Jesus says, May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Right after this, Jesus starts including our needs in the prayer. But before we go there, we need to be clear up front that God's plan is better than our plan. We need to put God's will first. We may not actually know what is best for us. What we're about to ask for may not be the best thing, and we just don't know it. So we acknowledge up front that God knows best. He knows if you should really be in that relationship. He knows if your current job is really the best one for you right now, or if there's something better out there for you. He knows if losing a bunch of money is actually going to strengthen your faith in Him and be better for you even if it hurts right now. He knows if not having a normal graduation is actually the best thing right now, given the circumstances. When we put God's will before our requests, we acknowledge in our minds and with our words that God knows best, and we want Him to determine what is best for us, not just do whatever we ask. It's a position of humility. Now, you might say, then why ask at all if God already knows everything and we're just going to let Him decide anyway? Well, I'll get to that at the end, but first, let's talk about our requests. Jesus says, give us today the food we need. Now, you know what's really interesting about this part of Jesus' prayer template? This is not a big request. Sometimes we just go to God with the big things, and we keep our little requests to ourselves, but God cares about the little things too, just even that day's food. Now, I know for some people in the world, that is a big request. I get that. But it wasn't for Jesus and his disciples. They had donors. They had successful careers. They had families with money. They had a ministry fund. And one of the disciples was their treasurer. They carried money around with them. As far as we know, they never lacked resources. And hey, if they ever needed some extra food for different guests, they were able to get that from Jesus. But when Jesus picks a request for his prayer template, he picks something that seems so simple, so basic, the food for that day. And I think what that teaches us is that God cares about the little things. Jesus said in Luke 12, that God doesn't forget about each individual bird. And he has the numbers of hair on your head counted and you are more valuable to God than a whole flock of birds, Jesus says. So share your requests, no matter how small. Then Jesus says, and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. So we should confess our sins to God when we pray. And if you can't think of any, ask God to reveal them to you and just sit and wait for a little bit. And I'm sure that he will make that clear to you. But there's something else that catches my attention here. It's the fact that we have already forgiven those who sin against us. See, Jesus assumes that even before we brought any requests to God, even before we came to Him to pray, we forgave anyone who had wronged us or who we felt wronged us. God does not want us to approach Him while we are holding on to bitterness against someone else. If you feel like your prayers are just hitting the ceiling and coming right back down, one place to inspect would be if you have forgiven people who you think have wronged you. Now, that does not mean that God's forgiveness is conditional on whether we have forgiven others. That's not what Jesus says. It means that our heart is revealed by whether we have forgiven others. Jesus just gives us the expectation that if we're going to properly approach the God who forgives, we should be willing to forgive others. So confess your sins after forgiving others. And don't let us yield to temptation but rescue us from the evil one. You and I are bombarded every day by temptations to do the wrong thing. Right now, you may find yourself with lots of idle time. That can lead to temptation. Or you may find yourself with a bit too much of your family's time. That can lead to temptation. Then there's the temptation to worry, and I don't think that has gone down at all in the last few weeks. Jesus is telling us here that God wants to help us avoid temptation. And where those temptations are caused by Satan and his demons, he wants to rescue us from that. But he's not going to do it automatically. He made partners, not robots. The Bible says that we are co-workers with Jesus. We're called God's hands and his feet. God wants active participants. He wants connection with us in the things that we are doing and the things that he is doing. He wants relationship. So he invites us to ask for his spiritual protection. Now, if God knows everything and and knows what we need and should be making the decisions about what is best for us in our lives, why doesn't He just do that automatically? Why does He want us to talk to Him through prayer about these things? In fact, the Bible says in James 4 that He holds back on things that He is willing to do for us if we don't ask or we ask with the wrong motives. I think the answer comes right before Jesus gives the Lord's Prayer Template. In verse 5 of Matthew 6, he says this, When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on the street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father, who sees everything, will reward you. Imagine someone you love, your spouse, your best friend, your mother or father? What if the only time you talked to them was when other people were around? You never talked with them one-on-one. If they live far away, maybe in another state, what if the only time you ever called them was when you could get a group of people together and have a conference call? See, that's the way some of us have been treating God, not as the God who wants a personal relationship with us, not as the God who has numbered each hair on our head and cares about us more than we can imagine. We'll have a group chat with God, but not a private conversation. When what God wants with you is prayer intimacy, for you to go somewhere quiet and spend intentional one-on-one time just talking with your heavenly father. And the amazing thing is that Jesus says God actually rewards that time of prayer. If you have kids Imagine one of them never wants to spend any time with you. They just don't want to be around you at all. And then one day in front of all the other kids, they ask you for $100 to go buy a game or a toy or something. You probably aren't eager to give an answer of yes because they don't seem to value your relationship at all. In fact, it would probably teach them the wrong lesson to say yes at that point. But if they showed they cared about you, and spent time with you, and talked with you, and then they asked that question, the same question, you might be more likely to say yes. But this is really important. It's not saying yes because they manipulated you with their actions. You're saying yes because the relationship makes a yes appropriate. And the lack of relationship would have made a yes inappropriate. So we don't spend time with God to get a reward. But spending time privately with God will result in good things, because that means we're growing in our relationship with Him. And according to Jesus, that closer relationship will be rewarded. Now, you might still be wondering, so what is the downside of looking at prayer like a phone call? Here it is. When we view prayer as having a beginning and an end. See, God doesn't just want the prayers in the closet. The prayers in private, the occasional call. He wants an ongoing relationship. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says to never stop praying. Romans 12.12 says to be constant in prayer. Jesus told His disciples to always be praying. Too often, we view prayer like picking up the phone and dialing a number. That number is something like this, Dear Heavenly Father, or Dear Jesus. And then we have our conversation, and we hang up the phone with In Jesus' name, amen. And that is not what God has in mind for prayer. Prayer is this ongoing connection that you have with God, where He wants to always be hearing from you, always included in your life. And hey, He knows what's best for you. Why wouldn't you want the God of the universe involved in every aspect of your life? I know it's easy to forget, but what God wants with us is a relationship where we have dedicated times of one-on-one prayer and a continual conversation with him throughout our day. So how's your prayer relationship with God right now? We'll ask you some questions after the service on the screen to help you think through the application to today's message and grow closer in your walk with God. But let me pray for you right now. Jesus, we are so privileged to be able to learn from you how to pray. Thank you, Lord, for teaching us. Thank you for giving us this template so that we would know how to approach you, how to better have a relationship with you and a conversation with you. And so God, we praise you for who you are. We recognize that your will needs to come first before all of our requests, but we do have requests for you, Lord. We ask for you to watch over all of us in the middle of a very challenging season of life. We ask especially for your protection and your provision for people, your protection for those people who are essential workers and people who are working in hospitals and delivering things in grocery stores and everything to to keep the rest of us able to to live our lives right now, Lord. We pray that you'd watch over those people. We also pray for your provision for those who are struggling to uh, make ends meet, for those who are not sure where their money's going to come from, for those who have been furloughed or lost a significant amount of their income or their retirement, Lord. We know that you care about those people. You have the numbers of hair on their head counted. We know you care about them personally. So Lord, we ask for your provision for them. But we recognize that it's all about your will. You know what is best. We submit to you in everything. And God, I pray for everyone who's watching this right now. I pray that you would help them to have a focused and dedicated and continual prayer life. I pray that you would prompt them and remind them throughout this week to be spending time with you in prayer and to have that constant conversation where they are growing in their walk with you. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.